Welcome. This is All the Fuck In, a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning. If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place. And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether. And we're back. I'm going to start saying that every single time now. How are you, Lauren? (laughs) I am complicated right now. I feel we just spent like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes talking before this, which I'm really glad we did. Um, And that to me seems to be the theme that we're both a little messy right now. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a roller coaster, personally and collectively. Um, and for context, we're recording this the week in which um, we all learned about Dante Wright, um, and and now um, a mass killing in, in is it in Indianapolis? Is that where it yeah. was? Yeah, and, yeah. And I think two black trans women in the last week have yeah. It's just the news cycle mm-hmm. is really a lot right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I know. Personally, we've both had a lot of shit going on. Um, so I don't know. I mean, would it be okay if I start by asking you yeah. how you are? And sure, just, like, yeah. Check in? Okay, yeah. not to put you on the spot. No, no, that's know. fine. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going through like a huge shift uh, personally, professionally, in which I'm essentially evaluating every single part of my work <laughs> life. Um, and I think- Casual. I'm, I know, no big deal. <laughs> Um, and it all relates to like identity stuff too. I realized actually that through my work with Brooke Monahan, um, who I'm now working with as my business coach, uh, I'm realizing that uh, I thought of myself as the support person and the behind the scenes person for other people who were showing up to educate, facilitate and hold the space. And I did not realize that I'm actually becoming the person who educates and shows up to hold the space. And now I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm that person, why am I doing admin work? And so mm-hmm. I'm going through a lot of like, what do I do? What do I don't do? What is What lights me up? What doesn't light me up? And how do I move forward? Which is really scary because I think I'm going to be letting go of like regular 
income streams and reliable work so that I can step into the unknown of what this next phase looks like. And it's exciting and scary. Um, and, you know, amidst all of that, I've experienced like outright burnout, which, you know, in the last mm -hmm. month or so, which I think I'm bouncing back from, though it's really slow. Um, and that's just because I've signed up to do too many things at once. Um, and I'm not giving myself enough space to rest. And, and then there was this transphobic podcast, yoga podcast, um, that was really messed up. And um, I felt both incredibly triggered by it and also like I had to say something and work towards accountability um, for the individuals who are participating in that conversation. And so I spent two weeks kind of neglecting myself and my work commitments to focus on trying to seek accountability and then what became mm -hmm. a like public call out process, um, which was really scary. Um, and got a lot of I worked with my friend, Megan, who we're going to have on the podcast um, in the coming episodes. So I had support, which was so needed. Both of us really needed that from one another. Um, but it was a really hard time. And we were getting a lot of pushback from cis folks in the yoga community about how we were, mm. quote, doing it wrong. Um, and then I was, of course, uh, you know, doing the, the unhelpful thing of looking at comments um, in various places in which a lot of cis folks were saying, this isn't transphobic. Um, yeah, and it was just a really hard time and I'm still recovering from that. Um, and I just taught for the first time since that experience, I just taught the first workshop since that, um, the other night and felt like I wasn't, I wasn't able to bring my full heart or my full self into the space. Um, in fact, I've been saying that out loud, I can feel myself getting emotional. And then mm. towards the end of the workshop, when we entered into a Q&A kind of space, um, a white cishet woman uh, you know, raised her hand and unmuted and, and just said how hard it is to, to be in the process of allyship and, and the process of unlearning. And I, I felt it in my body, um, like my heart started racing, I got hot, I got shaky. Um, but I didn't know how to slow down and say, so what you're saying is actually harmful and not okay. I didn't have the capacity to address it really skillfully. And I'm holding myself to like the Michelle Cassandra Johnson <laughs> model. <laughs> and she's got two decades of experience of holding that space and interrupting harm when it occurs. And I don't have two decades. And I realized like I did as best as I could in the moment to acknowledge it and address it. Um, People told me I was graceful, um, but it didn't feel skillful mm. in, in my, on my part. I felt like I could have done a better job. I should have done a better job, yada, yada. Anyways, mm -hmm. I'm just, I feel like I'm holding a lot and there's a lot of good stuff going on, um, positive things, but it's just with the constant news cycle. And like, I'm also feeling, and I wonder if you feel this too, and I'm scared to even say it, but I feel like just when I get to a point of understanding my white privilege, something else happens and like the, the floor drops out another layer. And then I'm like, oh shit, I understand it even more. Like, yeah, there's, there's just, there's, it's, there's never, it's never ending. Like right. the process of really reconciling with what it means to be a white person moving through the world and having safety and ease. It's like the deep knowingness of that is never ending. Um, 
so I'm really sitting with that too. Yeah, no big deal. No, no, yeah. <laughs> no big things going on. <laughs> Just some light topics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the whiteness thing. It's like, I mean, you, it, how do I put this? I think there's a constant learning for me of not just intellectualizing it. Um, cause being someone who like talks about it in my work and like teaches on it, obviously in collaboration with non-white people, yeah. <laughs> that would be problematic. But like, I feel like I, I have a very academic understanding of it, but then sometimes the living of what it means to dismantle whiteness. I have the same experience of, oh, fuck, there it is again. There it is again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's, that's something that teachers I follow and learn from. I mean, this is what Michelle says, right? It's, it's a lifelong process yeah. and it's a practice and we're going to fuck it up sometimes, okay. but um, yeah, I totally feel that. And sometimes it's hard for me to tease out, like, is this whiteness? Is this something else? Um, it, yeah, it's just really, really tricky. Um, not to be like, it's so hard to unpack my whiteness. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I know it's it, not. It is, it is tricky. And it's, it shows me how, um, I don't know, observing myself, I, I constantly am seeing how sneaky it is, it is. and how, yeah. And how like that conditioning is so deep. Um, and that, you know, unpacking it over the, I mean, I feel like I was only really in the practice maybe since 2016 or 17 around whiteness. Um, like that's not going to get all undone in five years after at this point, 33 years of being conditioned the other direction. And then every single day we're getting messages, um, about white superiority and all that kind of bullshit. So yeah. 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 Um, My partner is always, we've had these conversations where he's like, we need to stop saying that this work is hard and we have to do it anyways. Like, like not to take away from Michelle's work because that statement and phrase definitely is something I've learned from her work, but the phrase that he's highlighting is the part where we say that it's hard. Um, Mm. And that came up for me too, when this woman in my workshop the other night said how hard it is to, to unlearn and be in allyship with, with trans and queer folks. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like really hear that and I'm reflecting on how much when we say something is hard, it like, I don't know, it sets us up for a weird relationship to the thing we're trying to do when like mm-hmm. there's so many other ways that we can frame the challenging nature of understanding privilege and understanding how to show up across lines of difference. Um, and how to be in the fight to dismantle systems of oppression. Like, sure, it's hard, but like, there's gotta be other ways that we can describe it, you know, that set us Mm -hmm. up to be more committed. And like, I wonder how much hard shuts us down um, Mm. really subtly, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. At least that's what I felt when this woman said what she said, that she was like, cause she didn't even have a question and we were in the question space. And like, she was just making a statement as if like, she was at her max capacity in that moment, you know? Um, And it was Mm -hmm. like, and she did acknowledge that those who hold marginalized identities are having a harder experience, but like, it's still not helpful to say in that context when we're talking about, I mean, literally the workshop was called Exploring Gender Embodying Inclusivity. So if we're talking about embodying inclusivity, like saying something is hard isn't actually helpful for the people who are doing the educating. I'll just say that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, maybe it's like this work is messy. This work is, I don't know. There, I, I think that's an interesting observation that the word hard, for, maybe not for everybody, but for right. some people, certainly, especially the people who are not oppressed, it's like, oh, I have to do something hard. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it's the same thing around like discomfort and versus like right. hurt and harm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, it's uncomfortable. That's not a bad thing. It's okay. Right. Like we've been conditioned, especially as white people, to think that our comfort is something we're entitled to. And, right. you know, anyways, yeah. Or that discomfort is the same thing as violence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> how are you doing and how have you been over the last few weeks, last <sighs> month? Um. To be honest, I've really bottomed out recently, mental health-wise. Not anything like in the past where things were really bad, but um, I have a housing situation that's been really, like, extremely stressful, I'll just say that, Um, where a man who lives below me, um, who I've now learned has mental health issues, for sure, like, serious mental health issues, um, has actually been harassing me. And so it's led me to taking like legal action to break my lease. And I learned under apparently the fair housing act, I think that if you are someone with depression or PTSD or anxiety, you're technically a protected, I don't know if protected class is the right word, but you're entitled to certain accommodations. So, um, so it's been this whole process of like finding a lawyer, getting the money together to hire her, getting my therapist to write a letter. It's just been like a lot of coordinating um, all of that so that I can get out. But in the meantime, I'm staying at my partner's house. He has roommates. My like least favorite feeling is like I'm imposing on people. <laughs> um, and even though he's so great and supportive, it's, it still feels like, you know, I just have no agency over like my space, yeah. um, which is very uncomfortable. And then also navigating like, okay, we were going to move in together in October so now we'll figure it out sooner. Like that's a big, a big transition. And I think it's right, but it, it, and it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, um, figuring out where the fuck to live, how much money we can afford all that. So, um, and then my birthday happened. My birthday is always really rough. Um, cause it just highlights, you know, the disconnections in my family. There's also this weird, cultural expectation that you have like this amazing day. I never do. (laughs) So I just, yeah, I was super, super depressed for a few days. And, um, I, but I'm glad that the situation with the apartments getting addressed, because I was kind of just living with it for like three months. And it was my therapist a couple weeks ago who was like, hold on, you just breezed past the fact that your neighbors called the cops on you twice when you haven't been doing anything like that's really fucked up. Mm -hmm. And she is the one who observed that I've been struggling a lot more since that started happening back toward the end of January. Um, cause for a while I was being so hard on myself. Like, why am I struggling to stay on top of work? Why is my sleep all weird? Like, why can't I get it together? Like that was the line I was telling myself instead of realizing like the circumstances were what was wrong. It's not I was actually reacting really appropriately and Mm -hmm. understandably to it. So between her and this lawyer and my partner being like, uh, yeah, (laughs) you need to get out. It's not safe. It's literally unsafe for me to be in my apartment. Um, yeah, I, I just, I I gave myself 
some grace, I guess, that I really needed. Um, and yeah, you mentioned working with Brooke and I did some coaching with her, uh, was, I guess, February, March, and also realized like, oh, I have way too fucking much on my plate. Like, no wonder I'm exhausted. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I think that I have an idea of what my capacity should be. Um, and then, but I don't build in like life. I don't build in the fact that I am somebody who has depressive episodes. Sometimes I don't build in the fact that like misogyny is a thing that occasionally is going to come up, if not every single day, Mm -hmm. I don't build in the fact that I have really complicated family stuff going on for the last few months. And I am angry that I have to account and build in that kind of shit into my capacity. Yeah. But it's also the reality and like expecting myself. Oh, not to mention we're in a pandemic. Like I know that little thing too. Ongoing right. all the time. Plus right. state violence ongoing all the time. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I'm angry that that has to be a consideration, but I also can't keep like pushing myself the way that I have been the last, I guess, year really even though I've made some changes, I haven't really, um, I guess, accepted that I need what I need. Yeah. Same. I, do you feel like, cause I was thinking about this yesterday too, for myself, um, when I was reflecting on the past year and how hard I worked in 2020, um, mm-hmm. do you feel like this is capitalism coming through us? Like mm. the, the, like, I'm thinking that it's the, it's, it's, it's funny. I'm like, I'm not a hustler. I prioritize my own well-being. I'm showing up for social justice. I'm fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in inquiry with myself. I pay attention. I self-reflect. And I'm having important conversations with people, fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I've been working so hard that I, like, sneakily incorporated hustle mindset and hustle behaviors into my life and didn't realize it because I still thought I had to do it on some level. And so to me, I think I'm reconciling the internalized way in which capitalism and white supremacy and all the things are showing up in me and coming through me. Do you feel like that's what you're navigating to in terms of reevaluating your capacity? That actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I do. And even just like some of the stress has been about money and moving. And I'm like, fuck, I'm up against like landlords basically. Right. And I'm so privileged. Like, I don't want to, this is not as bad as it could be. And uh-huh. it's very fucked up that this is even a thing that anybody has to navigate. Yeah. Um, that it costs this much money to like find a new apartment <laughs> and like that you have to make three times the monthly rent to even qualify. Like, that's just so wild. And yeah, like I, I definitely like to think of myself as above or, you know, separate from all this shit. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is what I do for a living. Like right. I know better, but just cause I know better. doesn't mean the conditioning's not there. doesn't mean that I didn't grow up in the family I grew up in that totally like is all about hard work and blah, blah, blah. Hard work is your ticket out of whatever. Like that's just not fucking true. A lot of times hard work is what's making me sick. Um, I heard, uh, I had a mentor one time say like, there's a difference between between trying your best and trying your hardest. And I used to think they were the same thing. So I'm really leaning into like, okay, my best today is like, I'm going to work from bed. That's it. My best today is like, if I eat a full meal, that's great. (laughs) Like I'm kind of changing the bar of, um, like what my expectations of myself can be. And 
I don't know about you, but I find it a lot easier to give that grace to like friends. Like if, if the situation were reversed and you were telling me all this, I'd be like, oh my God, like, please don't do anything yeah. that you don't have to do. Like I'm hearing you talk about your situation. Like, of course you're exhausted and burnt out and, but it's so much harder to give ourselves that grace. It is. I mean, especially when we're meeting or contending with financial uh, realities, right? Like I want to move out of this apartment. I've been in this apartment for five years. I'm tired of being here. The pandemic has been really hard in this apartment with a dog, but like, I don't have, there's nothing out there like uh, that I can afford easily. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, this is like, you're saying like the realities of like, uh, and we have so much privilege. I know. Right. And it's like, and i Megan and I, who, again, who we'll have on the podcast soon, we we were just messaging this week about everything that's going on. And they said something like, it shouldn't have to be this way. Yeah. And it's like, you're right. It shouldn't. And yet it feels like I'm, I'm in a kind of hopeless moment where I'm like, what Mm. are we all working towards when like, the likelihood is in the coming weeks, months, years, we're going to continue to see the same patterns of violence um, yeah. and, and inequity and, and, and like the anti-transphobic um, language and narratives that are going all around the country around these anti-trans bills is like so deeply disturbing. And yeah. here I am constantly saying like, I'm very privileged as a trans person. I don't worry about my safety. I'm not so marginalized. And then like, I see this stuff and I'm like, wait, this has got to be entering my being and telling me on some level that I don't matter, that I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. that I don't know who I am, um, that I'm a weirdo, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. fill in the blank, but like, I'm not totally conscious of it. And it's like, it shouldn't have to be this way for us to Mm -hmm. be healthy, whole humans. Mm -hmm. Um, any of us, regardless of our identities. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I just back to feeling a little hopeless. It's like, I know that we're making the change isn't going to happen overnight. The change isn't going to happen next year. The change might not even happen in our lifetime, but we are working towards something really important. And that is happening. I know that it's happening, but we can't see it like actually coming to fruition. And so it's hard to know that what we're doing still matters, which just feels like such a hopeless thing to say. I'm clearly in like kind of a dark space. <laughs> Me too. I'm wondering like if we listen to this a few months from now, we'll be like, oh, that was a dark episode. <laughs> I know. So yeah. I wonder too, like, is this in the air collectively? Like maybe it's not just you and me. Maybe a lot of people are feeling this way. Like maybe it's also COVID exhaustion. Like we've been oh, in sure. a state that has become quote, totally normal. Um, and that we don't even think about how it's impacting our bodies anymore or our brains or our nervous systems. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually finding that like, I'm not like, I'm fully vaccinated and lots of my friends are and I'm still not making plans to see them. And I was just realizing like, have I been in kind of a winter depression? And like, am I coming out of that? Or is this COVID, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and like, I have anxiety around making social plans that I didn't have a year and a half ago. Um, right. I want to ask you though. Um, oh, oh, go ahead. Okay. Oh, just, I was going to affirm, like there was a great episode of on being recently and I can't remember the person. Oh, I listened to that. Pers- yeah. The one about what's happening to our nervous systems. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, even being fully vaxxed, like you and your friends, whatever, there's still the mental gymnastics you have to go through of, okay, wait, so 
they're fully vaxxed and it's been how many weeks. And like your brain is also just not used to over the last year, like being around that many people. It's true. Like it doesn't on some level, it still doesn't feel safe. And there's still, the vaccines aren't a hundred percent guarantee. You're fine. Like I saw a headline about how like 5,300 people or something in a study um, still caught COVID after being vaccinated. Sorry to bum anybody out, but still got COVID. And then a few hundred of them actually died of their symptoms, even though they were vaccinated. And obviously that's extremely rare, like a few, but that's a few hundred people. It's It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, those are like, if you think about it on an individual level, how devastating that is for their families still, like, I don't know. And then I'm so just angry and hopeless about the fact that a lot of people aren't getting vaccinated. And I, I know that there are a lot of complicated reasons, like if we're talking about folks of color or people who are marginalized, like not trusting the medical system. So I'm not so much speaking to that as people right. who have a shitload of privilege. Yep. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm also feeling kind of hopeless that we're just going to keep having, if not COVID, like other pandemics, because we're not fundamentally changing the way that we relate to public health and yep. to like animal agriculture and all these other systems. But um, I... I had more on that, but I kind of cut you off. So I want to know what you were. No, I was just going to, I wanted to ask you, like you said that you're giving yourself permission to work from bed. Sometimes I want to ask in what other tangible ways are you showing up for yourself, for your Mm -hmm. own care and well-being? In what ways are you receiving love and support? In what ways are you Mm -hmm. asking for what you need? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fucking asking for what I need. is the answer, which is really hard. Like I, I learn over and over, especially in the relationship I'm in now, which I mean, it may not be this black and white, but I would say this is perhaps the only healthy relationship I've been in. Um, particularly because for a long time I wasn't sober and in recovery and treating my trauma and stuff, but like finally being with someone who I can be like, Hey, I actually need this thing and trusting that it's not going to be too much for them or that I'm not going to get gaslit into thinking that, you know, I'm demanding or I'm being a child or whatever, like Mm -hmm. bullshit narratives were happening that are still in my head, but definitely were not mine to begin with. Um, like, yeah. So just asking for help, even like before we recorded, I needed to talk through a work thing. And I texted you being like, Hey, do you have capacity to listen to me for a few minutes on this thing? And, you know, it would have been fine if you said, no, I would have asked someone else, but like just being able to even ask for that instead of letting it just slosh around in my head. Yeah. Um, and which is a fancy way of saying ruminating. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also, um, I've had to kind of advocate for myself when it comes to mental health care, because, um, I don't know what your experience was with the vaccine, but I had a depressive episode after getting my first shot. And then I got physically sick like a week later. Yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people. My therapist said she did too. Um, and I remember making an appointment being like, my meds aren't working. They actually have been working for a while. I, I think I might have, um, PMDD where around my period, is when my brain chemistry gets really wild. Um, so I was like, clearly this med isn't working. I've been on many of the same class of drugs over the years. And I don't think this is actually what's going on. They wanted to switch me to a different class of depression medication. And I was like, like my gut just said, don't do that. Like, I don't want to deal with new symptoms or new side effects. I don't want to 
play this game of like, is it working or not? So I said, I ended up calling back and being like, actually, I want to talk to a psychiatrist, not just a general practitioner. I like kind of demanded it. They were trying to, yeah, push me off. And I'm like, I need to be evaluated like for real for, I think there might be ADHD going on. Like something else is up and that doesn't mean meds are the answer, but it just means like, I need someone with like a specialization to help me. And this is again, such a privileged position to be in, but, um, yeah, just kind of speaking up for myself in healthcare and like, Another thing I did, um, when I went to the doctor, when I got physically sick the other day, I was like, don't weigh me. You don't need to weigh me and trigger all my body shit. Cause they did that. Um, Kaiser has these fancy chairs where they weigh you and you don't even know it. Oh, that's non-consensual and fucked up. It's so fucked up. So I like, I don't even realize I'm having a great day. I've actually felt really good in my body for the last couple of years, even though I, I can tell it's bigger. Um, normally that would have triggered me, but I've done right. a lot of work and then, but seeing the number like really yeah. fucked me up for a couple weeks. Um, yeah. so the last time I went, I'm like, do you need to weigh me for like dosing or anything? And they were like, oh no. I'm like, okay, cool. We're not going to do that Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So just having some, t- I'm talking a lot, but no, to answer good. your question, just a lot of very clear boundaries. Um, yeah. and, and hiring the lawyers too and seeking like yes. that's another of you being like, I need some help with this. And I mm-hmm. am going to ask for what I need and I'm going to seek it out and I'm going to take care of myself and show up for myself. Yes. Even if it means investing time, energy, and money in order to make mm-hmm. that happen, which again is privilege. And also you deserve totally. to see that through. Yeah. Yeah. And truthfully, I didn't really have the money for the lawyer. Um, she's, uh, she's amazing. She, the practice is called like something affordable services. Um, and it's a flat fee. So I don't have to pay her per hour, which is amazing. Amazing. Um, and she works primarily with domestic violence survivors who are in similar situations. Yeah. So she was very into like working with me and what I could have done was just have the consult and pay like 200 and some dollars, which was my plan. But then when I realized like, okay, I can just be like a little bit more in debt and pay her a little more and let her handle all the communication. I was like, please just like take my money. I'll figure it out later. It, it yeah. was just worth it not to be the one, like having to talk to the management company. And yeah, good for that. you. Yeah. Good for Lawyers you. are awesome. <laughs> I, so unfortunately, fun. I hired one last year to help me with my domestic violence past. Right. Um, yeah. Which is just unfortunate that we have to do this in any right. context. And the lawyer experience was okay. She was a badass. She said the right things, but I actually didn't feel that supported and it ended up not oh. being a useful, I mean, it was useful. Like I made the attempt and mm-hmm. to seek support and protection and the judge and court did not deem me <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the legal bullshit is. I didn't get the protection that I was seeking. And so I felt like I just, mm-hmm. I felt like the lawyers could have told me like, Hey, the likelihood is that, you know, this isn't going to be a good use of your time and money. And they kind of did, but they didn't. And like, so I just, right. I'm glad you're working with someone who you feel is actually offering you the support that you need. Yeah. 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 Ugh, I'm sorry that it didn't. I, I remember talking about it at the time yeah. and like, it's a very fucked up situation. And so fucked up. I mean, I guess I should, I'm a little like, maybe I should knock on wood now because my mind is not resolved. It could totally 
fall apart. I don't know. I'm hopeful it won't, but, but the um, rights are in your favor. It sounds like the rights right. are in your favor. And unfortunately, yeah. the legal system is not set up to protect survivors. And no. the rights are not in my favor when it comes to the situation I'm in. And you're fortunately just talking about just quote unquote, talking about like landlord lease arrangements and protection around safety mm-hmm. um, and PTSD. So yeah, I'm glad the rights are in your favor. Yeah. Well, yeah. and like you said before too, it, it shouldn't be this way. Yeah. Um, it like really shouldn't. a person shouldn't have to even hire a lawyer, even if the rights are totally in my favor, even yep. if it's an easy case, like it shouldn't be this hard to like keep yourself safe yep. <laughs> and to not be called a bitch by the guy who lives underneath you. Um, in your own home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in general, or like all of, yeah, or ever, um, it's so, in, that's such the like go-to cis dude <laughs> retort when they're mad about something. Um, but, uh, when you were saying it shouldn't be this way, I also kept thinking like, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Like I, when I'm feeling really hopeless, sometimes I do find it helpful to look at examples of the bright spots where, um, my mind is blinking on it now, but if we think about municipalities that have like defunded the police, for example, or yeah. that, do have like really good mental health care that's free. Mm -hmm. Like we do see examples of people like organizing, which is the key organizing together to demand better because that's, that's what everybody deserves. Like we all deserve to be safe and free and thriving. Um, And I think I, what I'm feeling right now is a disconnect between where the culture is moving. Like, and maybe I'm in an Instagram bubble, but it does feel like, as a culture, like overall, the people are getting more, um, are becoming more sensitive and more um, awake and learning like how to be in solidarity with each other. But then our systems aren't catching up to that. And I, what I'm kind of struggling with is, <laughs> are we at a point where the systems are so entrenched that like, that's never, we're never gonna be able to shift it because the odds are so in their favor. Or is it that we just haven't learned how to organize effectively enough yet? Mm. Um, like I think about what happened with the Amazon un- union drive. Like, yeah. I mean, they were up against fucking Amazon. Like, of course they got beat because Amazon was creating like these fake, you know, Twitter accounts for fake Amazon employees. And I mean, they had so many resources behind them and yeah. I don't know, I'm rambling now, but I just don't know what it's going to take for things to break through and for people to have what they need to survive. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anyone's listening and you want to run for office, please send me a DM. Let's talk. <laughs> That's my thought. We just, all new people in charge would be really cool. I mean, it's true. Um, I mean, are there things, because obviously we're going to take a little break between seasons. Mm-hmm. Of the yeah, this is, this, is, this our... is our official last episode of season one. Yay, we did it. Let's congratulate ourselves it. on making a full season of a podcast. <laughs> oh, right. And I think both of us, the way that we're wired, we're like, oh, we could have like done more posts and more content and blah, blah, blah. But when I think back on the guests that we had, I am so fucking proud. Me too. Like this, yeah, like this is a podcast I would inhale if I weren't the host. I mean, and I still listen to it. Even though Me too. <laughs> um, I guess I'm wondering though, in that time, like we're going to have a little space um, on our calendars too, because we're not going to be, you know, producing as much. Like, are there things you're looking forward to in the summer when it's warmer? Like, is there anything 
not to be spiritual bypassy. But. No, but we do need things to look forward yeah. to. Um, I'm visiting my father uh, in a week, actually, and it'll be our first um, fully vaccinated visit. Um, <gasps> so we'll get to hug and cook a meal together um, and be in the same home space together. Um, and one of my best friends who I've only seen once in the pandemic, she lives in Eugene. Um, she's coming day two. She's fully vaccinated. Her husband is fully vaccinated. My partner is coming. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a joyous gathering. Um, mm-hmm. and it'll be good to get out of Portland and, um, yeah. what else I'm, even though I also feel similarly about my birthday, my birthday is in July. I'm also looking forward to that because I'm giving myself time off. Fortunately, my birthday comes right around July 4th. So I feel like I have a built-in like buffer around like guaranteed time off. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I am looking forward to the shifts I'm making in my work. I think it is going to make my life easier in the long run, even though it's scary. And I have officially decided to um, write a book. Uh, (gasps) And I'm like, I'm like, I have two different tracks I could go in. And so I'm trying to figure out which track is the right one for like myself and what I think is needed, um, for the collective. And so, um, I'm excited to share more about that soon. Some of the details I need to keep confidential. So I'll be kind of, um, evasive and vague about some of those, but, um, I'm excited to share more soon. And that feels like uh, really the, the idea of getting back into writing, which you actually helped me own Mm -hmm. at some point in these podcast episodes you were like well you're a writer too I see you being a writer and ever since then I've been slowly moving back into calling myself a writer which I haven't done in Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 years um Mm -hmm. even though that was like my first quote professional identity that I that I like named for myself um so that feels really healing and empowering and exciting um and like I can still be creative even if I'm not like designing 15 websites a year like my creative uh-huh. is gonna look different and and nourish me in different ways and I'm thinking like maybe I can spend a month just writing and like clear my schedule of everything else and be one of those people <laughs> like <laughs> so I'm excited about that too yeah um I'm trying to think what else I mean the weather changing is going to be really helpful and uh, the idea of potentially traveling again. Um, mm-hmm. I also, one of my oldest friends is going to come visit for a weekend. She's fully vaccinated too. And that should be nice. Um, there's definitely lots to look forward to. It just feels like it's so much more alluring to focus on the challenging and the negative. Um, oh my God, the, completely. The silver lining, the joy, the whatever is like, I actually just watched Silver Lining Playbook for like the fifth time <laughs> the other night. Have you seen that movie? A long time ago. Yeah. I really, I'm a huge Bradley Cooper fan. I'm one of those people. So I watch his movies every few years. Like I go through all of them. And um, and I just appreciate that the character in the storyline is trying to look for the moments of joy in spite of, I mean, he's dealing with some serious mental health bullshit in his family in the story. So um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember the joy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cliche and cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> Well, it's important and our brains are definitely wired for survival. And so they're going to focus on what's not working more than what is working. And like, what's that saying? I mean, I don't even know if it's a saying, I think it's actually studied where it takes five positivity bias. Yeah. Yeah. Like it takes five positive interactions to override one negative Mm -hmm. because that's how much our brains focus on it. Yeah. Um, 
What are you looking forward to? I mean, I'm also looking forward to travel if I can afford it. Like I really miss the East coast. I mean, Colorado is so beautiful, <clears throat> but I miss like leafy trees. Yeah. And I never thought I'd say this, but I miss humidity a little bit. Okay. <laughs> like I just, um, yeah. So I'm excited to do that. I'm hopefully going to be able to visit some friends who live all over the place who one of them had a baby March 15th, 2020, uh, the wildest possible time to be in the hospital having a baby. She like went in in labor and things were like kind of normal and then came out and everything was shut down. So I have not met her little boy. Um, So hopefully I'll get to do that. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to a new place. Like my partner and I moving in together is really exciting. exciting. Um, And yeah, we're we're working on introducing the cat and dog right now, which is- Oh my God, good luck with that. (laughs) it's a process let me tell you but it's also it's been like kind of a nice thing to focus on instead of my own shit yeah um that's a hard question it is a hard question (laughs) yeah and if you if you I'm like you need I'm not going to tell you what you need to do and maybe scheduling another mountain getaway with your partner like having those things yeah yeah on the calendar that's like this is coming I know this will give me space I know this is something that will bring me joy yeah you're actually reminding me we do have one in May because I had to I originally booked something um early this month um for his birthday which was in March and mine's in April but then I got sick that week after the vaccine so we couldn't go so that is something to look forward to it won't be we won't be able to ski or anything but we'll at least be able to hike and just take the dog and be by a creek it'll be really pretty um I mean I am excited to just explore Denver. Like I moved here in August last year and I was able to do a little bit, I mean, obviously safely and with masks, but as things open back up and I'm in no rush for that to happen before it's safe, but as things do kind of start happening again, I'm excited to just really live here and, and plug in. And I'm, I'm part of this group. Um, it's called citizens Academy where over seven weeks, you learn about like different aspects of the Denver area. Cool. And a lot of people out of it tend to run for office or serve on boards and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm just trying to plug in like civically here mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't been able to quite yet. Um, cool. Yeah. So I think that covers and it. I think we can say that we're looking forward to season two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've already got several folks lined up, um, which will be fun. And I've been making after having with um, space with Rebby Kern a couple episodes ago, or last episode, I've been making a concerted effort to invite more trans, queer, and non-binary mm-hmm. folks on the show, which feels really good for me um, and important in general. And um, yeah, there will be some good conversations ahead. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so pumped because we have some of them scheduled already. And I know, I know it's going to be so good. It is. Yeah. yeah. And we want to invite anyone listening. Like if you have <clears throat> certain topics you want to hear more about, like definitely send us a DM okay. on Instagram or an email. I think it's linked in our bio too. So it's on the website. Yeah. 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 Well, um, it was good checking in and yes. catching up and talking with you. Um, and I hope this offers some, I don't know, reassurance, comfort, whatever <laughs> to anyone who, to those of you who are listening. Yeah. And, and thank you to those of you who are listening for like joining us um, yeah. and being part of season one and supporting our work um, and telling us these conversations mean something to you. Um, yeah. We really appreciate it. And 
yeah, we'll look forward to the next one. Yay. Okay. Take good care. Thanks for listening to this episode of All the Fuck In. If you like what we're doing, we'd love if you'd subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review. This helps other folks find us. You can learn more at alltfinpodcast.com. That's A-L-L-T-F-I-N podcast.com. And on Instagram at alltfinpodcast or at Tristan Katz Creative or and at Lauren K. Roberts. Death, 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 death